All right, hi guys, how are you? So I was hanging out with some friends this weekend. I think I'm gonna call this episode, Fuck Your Labels. <laughs> and, and as I continue the story, you'll, you'll know why. Um, hanging out with a couple of friends this weekend. Um, a guy and a girl, it was a couple. And they, we were all kind of just chilling, just three of us talking. And then one of them, the male, said to me, you know, this is the first time I'm visiting your home and your home was not what I expected it would be. I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, the way you carry yourself, I expected your home to be more of, you know, like very structured and very neat and you know, almost like I would have to put on airs to come to your place sort of thing. So he was explaining that when he knew that he was going to be coming to visit, he had to, you know, he felt he had to wear his best clothes and, you know, great socks and shoes and things of that nature. Now, I don't intentionally put out that kind of energy where, you know, I feel like I'm intentionally leaving people to feel as though they don't, you know, they can't be who they are or they have to sort of put on airs. I actually am about to go as far as to say that I am not responsible for how you feel you need to behave around me. That's all you. (laughs) That has nothing to do with me. I am not, I am not, I mean, you guys have been listening to my podcast for a while. This is who I am. Um, For better or worse, this is who I am. I don't you know, I, 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 I like to consider myself as, you know, down to earth. Um, even though my mind might sometimes be in the skies, so to speak. But I am as open as I possibly can. You know, t-shirts, sweatpants, that's kind of me most of the time. Unless I've got somewhere kind of important to go. But he felt compelled for whatever reason. And the reason, obviously, is the voice in your head suggesting things so he felt compelled that okay he's coming to visit it's the first time he's coming to my home he had in his mind an expectation of what my home would look like and so acted upon that expectation uh, I would call assumption um, or hallucination right I always refer to the auditory voice in your head right the internal internal monologue as it's called as an auditory hallucination because that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's coming from some sort of disembodied being. Um, You think it's your thoughts, but as I've sort of explained in previous episodes, it's not your thoughts, right? Because if you practice the, the art or the act of meditation, you know that you have your thought, right? This is what you want to focus on in a meditation. And then you have these intrusive, invasive thoughts that are always negative and always sort of contrary to what you've expressed you you know you would like to do the the mantra you like to repeat so you're over here repeating a mantra and then here's these you know invasive thoughts t- suggesting things that you need to do or pushing you to have sort of you know engage in impulsive behaviors or to not you know be able to focus or to concentrate or things of that nature so that's not you uh, we are programmed and or socialized to believe that the voice in our head is our thinking but it's not because it's almost always And by almost, I'm actually just trying to be gracious. It is pretty much always contradictory to 
what your expressed will is and what you like to do. So the voice in your head, if you say, okay, I'm trying to lose weight, it's going to be the voice that suggests that you eat at 12 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? And eat something that's going to essentially set you back and leave you feeling some type of way the following day or a couple of days later when you go in for your waiting. So it, it actually is almost there as a, as a tripping point going against what your expressed wills are. So that voice in his head, the auditory hallucination that is not him, told him that, okay, Joe presents herself in some way, which I don't believe I do, but he feels I do. I present myself in some way to him. And because of that, my home will be some sort of, I don't know what he thought my home would be. Um, well, actually I do, because he said, he was like, I was expecting a more bougie home. Um, I, didn't, I didn't take any of this stuff that I'm about to explain to you guys personally. I just thought it was an interesting anecdote and I wanted to share it in the podcast. Um, I still love these people. I still consider them my friends. And I also respect and understand that each one of us are fighting that battle with the ego, with that voice in our heads, okay? So I respect, understand, and honor that. And that voice in my head, that auditory hallucination, that internal monologue, the voice of the ego, the voice of the beast, as now I've become, you know, to call it, is, you know, kind of the stepping stone, right? Or a tripping point for all of us, right? Most of us struggle with that. And some people maybe not ha- may not have the voice or they may not recognize the voice, but it's there. And if it's presenting itself in visual, you know, hallucinations, still intrusive and still counter to what you want and your expressed will, it's still there. So it basically constructed a false narrative of who I am and what my house was going to be and then made him behave in a way that essentially made him feel sort of anxious to come to my place. So then he comes to my home and my home is bright and colorful like it's an old beach cottage there are paintings everywhere there are paintings everywhere and, and it's an explosion of color I love color I'm an African woman you know that is natural for for my culture to express through bright colors so I'm not a minimalist by any stretch of the imagination there's loads of color loads of art sculptures my sculptures are everywhere statues you know of Buddhas plants all of that that's my home and so he was like, you know, I'm presently, I'm pleasantly surprised by, you know, the state of your home and how warm and welcoming it is because you don't put out that energy of warmth and welcome. And he was like, and this is something that I think you need to work on because it kind of puts people at an arm's length and it makes them intimidated by you because you present yourself in this way, you know, the way you do your hair and the way you do your makeup and the way you dress. It's almost like you just come off as this like perfect person that people almost feel like they have to put on airs to be around you. I was shocked um, to hear that, not because I agreed with what he had to say, but I was a little saddened. Um, And they both sort of piggybacked off of each other and then they both started coming at me with that same energy. So they're both talking to me. And so he says what he has to say. And then she chimes in and she says, yeah, like, I mean, you're, you're beautiful, but like in this cold way, you know, and it's like, people don't really know what to do with you. Um, you know, you almost don't seem like relatable. And I was just hearing all this stuff. And there was a part of me, my ego that was like, why are you coming for me 
first of all? And why are you coming for me in my own space, in my own home? You know, I, I don't come at people like that. Um, now, I understand that, you know, in one way I could perceive it as, okay, here's an insight to how other people perceive me and then take that and work with it so that I can bend myself to, <laughs> to fit how, you know, to make other people feel more comfortable around me. But that's not who I am, right? At the end of the day, if you are intimidated, look, I, I, I'm, I'm a grown woman. I'm 35 years old. I'm also about 6'1", right? Six foot one inch tall. I might seem short on camera, but I'm a tall person. But I know the energy that I have in my heart. And if you are seeing something that isn't who I am, that has nothing to do with me. That is all you. And that's what I said. And I said it as calmly and as you know, casually as I possibly can, considering the fact that like everything that I am was being essentially attacked, or felt like anyway, at that moment. I mean, like, even to the point where one of them said, you know, like, you don't always have to wear makeup when we hang out. Like, yeah, I know I don't always have to wear makeup when we hang out, but I'm a painter, right? I paint faces and I love painting my own face. So yeah, I don't have to wear makeup when we hang out. I also don't have to take a shower every day. I also don't have to wash my hair or comb it or, you know, wear the clothes that I wear or speak the way I speak or carry myself the way I carry myself. But this is who I am, you know? And it was funny to me as they were coming at me with that energy, I sort of like paused and I looked at them and I said, look, one of you guys has a nose job. So you altered your physical appearance to make yourself more, I guess, either comfortable in your own body, but also to present yourself in a way that you wanted the world to perceive you. I'm not coming at you saying, you know what, your perfect nose makes me feel uncomfortable about my nose. You should do something about that or like... (laughs) I don't know, change your nose, right? You've permanently altered your face so that you can present to the world a particular image. And yet you're coming at me for the way that I have temporarily altered my face. Like I've not, I I haven't done anything, you know, that can be, that cannot be reversed, right? I can wipe my face at the end of the day. Right, and I'm it's still this. These are my bone structure is my bone structure. My nose is my nose. My eyes are my eyes. You know, my lips are my lips. Right. So everything that you see at the end of the day, you know, it's all illusion. And we all do this. We all put on illusions in some, you know, in some way. Glamour. Right. So I'm not coming at you saying, you know, the way you're, you know, she has long, beautiful hair. I'm not saying, you know, your long beautiful wavy hair makes me feel some type of way so you should cut it that's weird that is a weird hating ass energy (laughs) you know what I mean like I don't come at people like that okay and then the male he's a huge guy like big like just you know he works out right so he's really big and, and strong like you know um lots of muscles and he um also is like tatted up just fully tatted, completely tatted up sleeves, and then he's got piercings as well. I think his presentation is cool. I think that the way he has put himself together and decided to present himself to the world is cool. I think the way she puts herself together 
the way she dresses, you know, her sense of style, and the way she has decided to put herself together and present that to the world, I think that's cool. And I don't, I just, I see people presenting themselves in beautiful ways. And I think, wow, you look cool and you look beautiful. And that doesn't take anything away from me. So to, and I said that, I said, look, when I, it's funny that you guys are saying this, that when you interact with me, how I am and how I carry myself makes you feel some type of way. Because when I look at you guys, I think you look cool as hell. And then I think you look beautiful. I'm not coming at you with that kind of energy. Why are you coming at me with that kind of energy? And not like, not in a defensive way, like pause. Why is it that because you feel uncomfortable about the way I am or who I am, I have to make myself smaller or I have to change my own presentation to suit you? Why? Why? And why should I listen to you? That's, to me, I'm not going to use the label disrespectful, but it's unconscious. It's an unconscious statement. If you feel intimidated by the way somebody looks or by the way they carry themselves or, you know, however wealthy you think they have or education that they, and, and you're drawing these comparisons, that is the voice in your head. That is a battle that you need to take on, not with the person that's the external. I'm not triggering this. You are. That is a battle that you need to fight with yourself with your ego has nothing to do with me. I am not responsible for whether or not people are intimidated by me. And and this I did say. And then the conversation again shifted to, you know, you speak with such confidence that you almost dismiss what people are trying to say to you and it comes off like it gives off like narcissistic and megalomaniac vibes and once again I'm sitting there and I'm like okay so so far I didn't say this out loud but in my mind I'm like so far you've attacked my looks you've attacked my whole entire persona instead of I'm you know cold and 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 you don't know what to do with me and unapproachable and all of that intimidating and I make people feel some type of way right at first glance and that you're doing this for my own good you're telling me all this for my own good so that I can adjust my behavior so that I am more welcoming to people so that people find me more approachable okay and then once I like you know deflected that because that's ridiculous. And I said, I feel like that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I am who I am. And I have the right to defend myself if you're coming for me. So once I deflected from that, you just shifted to another attack by calling me a narcissist and a megalomaniac. And I was like, I don't accept your labels. I'm not a narcissist. Far from it. I, I, I studied psychology in college I, I, that was my major. I, I know what a textbook narcissist is. I have dealt, I have close family members who are textbook narcissists. And if I were in a different place in my life, those labels would have offended me and would have caused me to react in anger because I'm the furthest thing from a narcissist. I put other people's needs ahead of myself. And honestly, 
if they genuinely believed that I was a narcissist, I don't think they would have even felt comfortable enough to open their mouths to say that kind of thing to me. If you genuinely believed that I was a megalomaniac, right, they wouldn't have opened their mouths or felt comfortable enough to make those kind of statements. And I know that. And so once again, I sat silently and I said what they had to say. And my response was, I don't accept your labels. I am not a narcissist. I know what a textbook narcissist is. That's like saying I'm, you know, Chinese. Like I'm not. (laughs) I know who I am. I know where I come from. And I know what I had to do to get to where I am. And I know my own heart. Um, If you are afraid of me, my confidence, the way that I carry myself, the way that I speak, that is your problem, not me. All right. So more or less, fuck your labels. Um, eventually it's, it's funny because for, for, for the energy that was around the conversation, for it to not degrade into a fight and then a destruction of the friendship was pretty amazing. Um, but I, no credit to myself. (laughs) I had also been microdosing (laughs) mushrooms that day. And, um, the way I microdose is like on some days I'll just take like literally half a cap and half a stem. And that's it, like the first part of the day, or sometimes I'll take it at night. And then on the weekends, I'll do half a cap, half a stem, but every four hours so that I keep myself in a constant state of, I guess, awareness or consciousness. So when they came over, I was on like my second dose, my my second microdose. So like ego was fully suppressed. I was, I was fully present. I was fully conscious and deep analytical mode. Some people, when they watch my lives, they're like, you seem very robotic. It's like, now nah, I'm just on mushrooms right now. But you know what I mean? So, and my husband, even when I, he knows when I'm on mushrooms because I become less emotional, less reactive, and just more logical. And I just say, you know, what I need to say. So thankfully, um, ego, my ego was fully suppressed and I did not take what was being said to me personally. I used it as a learning experience and as a, uh, as a discussion for uh, this podcast, um, playing with the idea. And, and obviously I'm gonna use that also as a, as a quote teaching tool, even though I don't consider myself a teacher, just sharing a story. But ultimately what came from that is that we have these labels that we put on ourselves and we put on other people, right? The labels don't describe anything. It's just, there's a certain kind of behavior that people want you to, you know, exhibit. And mostly it's, you've got to be humble. It's a false humility, right? You've got to keep your head low. You've got to, you know, follow the cry. You have to behave in a particular way, right? You have to bend and shape yourself to other people's needs and essentially just follow you know, the ant in front of you, so to speak. And if you deviate from these sort of roles, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, people will, it's like crabs in the bucket. You're going too high, come down, right? Bring yourself down to our level. And people will intentionally, not consciously, but intentionally bring you down to their level. That's all what that is, right? That's all, everything that was said to me at that moment was, you are climbing up. We don't feel as though we, for whatever reason, are able to or are on that same level as you. 
And rather than saying, how do I bring myself up to that level that I feel that she is in? Or whatever. You know, it's, it's still a hallucination, right? I'm, I'm here with you. I'm just as human as you. I, I may be tall. I may be, you know, I may read more. You get what I mean? I may have had different experiences that have caused me to express my persona in this way. You know, karmic experiences, not even just in this lifetime. Okay. But at the end of the day, I'm no, it's all, we're all consciousness and it, on the same level here. But instead of looking at that, they focus on the external, they focus on the body, they focus on the vehicle, and then they start to compare. And if they feel as though you are somehow like that crab that's trying to claw out of the, of the dregs, right, of normality, of the status quo, right, you're different. You're trying to, they will attempt to pull you down and they will pull you down with words and they will pull you down with labels. And the labels don't mean anything, but they're spells. Like I, I play with the idea of, you know, technology and magic kind of intertwining because there's a quote that I have to find out who said it because I say it all the time. But at some point, the quote, the quote is at some point, technology becomes indistinguishable from magic. And I would say that magic and technology are just two different words, two different labels describing the same thing, right? The ability for the mind to affect matter. That's it right? The ability of the mind to affect matter. So if this is a phone, this is technology, and I want to communicate at long distances, right? Somebody used their mind to create an, a tool, right? In order to communicate with people on long distances. That's a, it's a type of magic, right? You're taking, you're working with the elements, you're working with matter to, and, 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 and atoms and electrons and all of that to create a tool, Right? Uh, an organized structure, which we'll call a cell phone, right? In order to achieve a goal that you have in your mind to communicate with people at long distances. There's a book that I'm reading right now that I need to finish. Um, I'll probably finish it today. I got sidetracked because I started watching Shadow and Bone this weekend and I finished it and then I watched it again, which I rarely do. And then I watched it again last night. I love that show for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but I also, after I watched the first season, I was like, I don't want to wait like a year or whatever for them to put out the next season. I want to see what happens. So I went and bought the book and I read the entire series. So I read all three books in like a day, right? Like 24 hour time period. So I'm like kicking myself in the ass because I haven't finished a book that I started before the Shadow and Bowen series because I like to finish a book in a day, um, depending on how long the book is. And I, and I should have finished it already. But then I like also have to remind myself, like, Joe, you finished three books in like a day, like calm down, you know? So it, it's that voice in your head again, just like coming at you for whatever fucking reason. Um, but you, I love shows like that, and particularly the book, because in there, like a couple of chapters, every once in a while, the author will talk about how like magic is essentially, you're just bending matter right? You're just manipulating matter to suit, to meet your needs, to suit, you know, your desires, so to speak, right? And in the show and in the book, what they use magic to do is like bend the elements, right? Like in the third book, the main character, her powers are, she can like base, she, they call her the sun summoner. So she like bends light, right? And she can create light as well. She can, but she has to draw from the sun. It doesn't work if she's like underground, if she's on the sun, like, I'm sorry, on the surface and in the daylight, 
she can pull from the sun and then like essentially like manifest light and shape light and create light and, and manipulate light or summon energy from the sun light energy from sun so she's a sun summoner and there was a point where she they basically explained to her so it's supposed to be set in like you know i don't know the middle ages or whatever in some parallel universe um but one of the really smart like engineer guys he suggested well if you can control light you can also you know manipulate light in a way where you can make things and people as well invincible right and that made me think of how like right now like darpa and um you know the military and things like that they are uh oh hold on okay sorry about that i was uh, i'm simultaneously recording the podcast and a video for for the youtube channel and then the video just like stopped recording it was recording my voice but not my movements so i had to like technical difficulties so anyway um the military they're also working on ways to essentially make their armory and their you know their vehicles like invincible and it's also about refracting light so the things that we discuss or we define as magic or we think about when we think about magic can also also has um its technological equivalent so i sort of look at them at as the same thing right so for example temperature right you have hot and you have cold but they're the same thing right it's temperature right so warm or cool same thing it's temperature it's just what degree and i kind of look at magic and kind of look at magic and technology in the same way um so when I talk about spell casting and I talk about labels, um, I, I, I like approaching it from two different standpoints, from the standpoint of like what we typically uh, associate or affiliate with the, lab, you know, with the term a label, um, and then spell casting. So I've talked about the placebo effect. I've talked about the nocebo effect. These are technical terms, right? These are technological terms for basically saying that you can heal yourself, right? So if I were, if I stepped into our timeline from a different timeline, yeah, where magic, magic is real, people believed in magic, right? And then I met myself and I told myself that, or myself told me that, well, in our reality, we have something called a placebo effect where our doctors can, you know, our doctors use chemicals to create medication and then we give the medication to people and then the medication heals them right me from an an alternate timeline would say oh so your doctors are witch doctors yeah and then i would say well no like they're doctors and then me from an alternate timeline would be said but okay how what is a doctor and how does it work how does their medicine work and I would say, well, you know, they take plants, right? Most of the time they take plants or they take fungi or they take bacteria and they synthesize them in their labs and then use that to sort of replicate synthetic copies of what is found in nature so that it could be uh, distributed, you know, on a mass scale to to people. So for example, I've talked about uh, Tylenol. The main ingredient in Tylenol comes from coal tar, coal tar. C-O-A-L, tar, right. Um, And then, you know, 
it's, you know, synthesized in a lab and they make, you know, replicate it and then they put it on the shelf so other people can kind of get the benefits as opposed to just going to, you know, using coal tar and not really knowing which formula what works. So it's a, it's an easily replicated formula. Me from a parallel universe will say something like, well, my witch doctor, our witch doctors do the same thing. Not only do we use coal tar, but we have also found that using tree bark, right, does the same, you know, does the same thing, helps with pain, helps with headache. Yeah. Um, salicylic acid is what I would say. Oh, tree bark. Oh, you mean salicylic um, acid? And then me from a timeline where magic is, you know, a thing would say, oh, yes, salicylic acid. Oh, well, we called that just willow bark, you know, essence of the willow bark. It's the same thing. We've just fancied it up and we've just dressed it up to kind of give ourselves more sort of uh, feeling of, okay, science is something different, but it's really not. Like, it's really not. Like, even, you know, all of the, you know, the opi- with the opioid crisis, well, this has been, it's synthesized plant medicine, right? It comes from opium plants, right? We just, we fancied it up and we put it in a pill and things of that nature. And we, you know, we give it a prescription and you have a doctor who's gone to a school and has gotten a degree so that he can prescribe these drugs or whatever. And then we call them drugs, but it's, you know, it's no different than what people, you know, a thousand years ago did in China. You know what I mean? Like you have an issue here is some the opium plant, you know, we ground it or whatever and mix it together. And then you, you give it to your patient. Same thing. We've just fancied it up. And I'm saying that that mindset apply that mindset to literally everything to a lot of a lot of things right um uh, you drive around in a car right and it has you know 200 horsepower horsepower it has the power of 200 horses but it it is mankind manipulating metal and using you know fossil fuels from the earth and has refined it using you know the art of alchemy right? Refined it and turned it into like petroleum so that it can, you know, be converted into energy. And then this machine, you know, can take you and go, you know, a hundred miles per hour, 150 miles per hour. Right. But it's no different than say, let's say a thousand years ago, a witch doctor comes up with a way to, you know, make a chariot run faster by using, I don't know, dung and, you know, combustible energy or something like that, right? Like Leonardo da Vinci, right? The, a lot of the stuff that he did and a lot of his designs were, you know, the flying machines and things of that nature, like he was ahead of his time. But if he was able to construct them, and some of them he did, but if he was able to construct them for mass use, right? And maybe there is a universe where he was able to construct them for mass use, he would probably have been considered a kind of magician because that was that is the label that was used at that point in time. So we're using different labels right now, technology, to, the, to discuss and describe more or less the same thing, right? Harnessing, capturing, uh, manipulating, bending, shaping, energy, matter. That's it. That's it. So when you go, you watch a movie where they like conjure light 
in their hands. And it's like, ooh, we conjured fire in my hand. It's a fireball or whatever. So in that reality, yes, they found a way to manipulate the elements, you know, with their mind, more or less. We have found a way to manipulate the elements with our mind too, but we're doing it through technology. Technology is like our magic wand, right? We have sort of been programmed to not so much rely on our own like abilities, our mind's abilities to shape manipul- and shape and manipulate matter. So we've come to rely on technology to do the same thing, but it's still magic, right? Like turning on a light switch, right? To somebody 300 years ago, if I traveled back in time and I t- all I had to do was take a flashlight and I just went like that, they would go, oh, that's magic. You conjured light, you know, in you conjuring light in the palm of your hands, right? But it's something that it took mental power, right? Somebody said, I want to do this. I want to create this thing, yeah? And I want to be able to conjure light in my hands. And so they used mental you know, their mental abilities to construct a way for them to conjure light in their hands in the form of a torchlight, in the form of a, even a lighter, right? And ignition. It's, it's the same bloody thing. It's just we're going about it in more complex ways than essentially what you would see like in Harry Potter and stuff like that, right? Like, so in Harry Potter, they have the flying, <laughs> they have the flying uh, brooms. Well, we here in our reality, we we use technology. Technology is our magic. So we use technology to make, like, you can now get a flying motorbike. Like, that's a thing, like a hover bike. That's a thing now. And they, I've seen videos on YouTube of, like, a hover bike, and they almost look like, like just very, like, it's cool. It's like a, like a cyberpunk, like, <laughs> interpretation of, like, you know, a futuristic bike. But it's, like, happening right now. I actually saw another video on TikTok of this guy who has created just like a hovercraft. It's magic. It's magic. You can dress it up and call it technology so it doesn't sound as archaic or mystic, but it's magic. It's humanity by definition. It's humanity humanity manipulating elements in order to, you know, put forth a, a particular result, right? So I'm saying all of this to say that when the same thing applies to our words. So earlier I mentioned placebo effect, nocebo effect. If I say to you, this, this pill that I've constructed, right? Let me, let me, I'm, I'm parallel self now. I, I'm a parallel version of Joe from a reality where, you know, magic, technology hasn't, doesn't exist. So magic is what is like our technology, okay? So I said, I have concocted this potion of coal tar and willow bark, right? But it's really just grass. But I tell you, <laughs> I have concocted this this potion of coal tar and willow bark, and it will drive away your headache. I am a witch doctor, yeah. But it's just grass, and you. But you believe in my power and my ability to heal. So I give you this potion of just grass, and you drink it, and all of a sudden, like your headache is gone. That is the placebo effect, yeah. Now I can turn around and say, if you give this pill to somebody, if, if you give this potion of, you know, poison to someone, if you drink it, it will kill you. Yeah. And you believe it. And the person that you give it to believes it and they believe in my power as a wizard or a witch, right? It's the belief 
that will kill them, right? That is the nocebo effect. The parallels are, are there, right? It's just, we're just using different words to basically describe, to describe the same thing. And that's why I discard with labels because they don't really describe anything. They don't really define anything. If anything, they just blind you from seeing what is really there, so to speak, or what really is, so to speak, right? So when somebody tells you something about yourself and you believe it, right? And it's not necessarily true until you believe it's true. They've essentially cursed you. So a nocebo effect is a type of curse. If we're, if we're interchanging the language between what we've come to understand as science and technology and medicine, right? In a modern time, but from a parallel world, if I give you something and I, something inert, right? If I'm from the 1500s where people believe in magic and I give you something inert and I tell you that this thing will cause you to die and it wouldn't normally cause death, but you believe it, that it causes death. Causes death. Um, I have just cursed you, right? It's not the power of the curse. It's the power that you give the curse. So I would have just cursed you, especially, or more, more specifically, you would have just cursed yourself because it's your belief that allows the curse that I put on you to work. So it's the same thing in our reality. The nocebo effect is if I give you a, an inert pill and I say this has a potential to cause side effects and you accept it and you believe it, then I have just put a curse on you. And then your belief in what I've said will cause that curse to come to pass. Okay? So I'm saying all of that and I'm beating, beating the dead horse, horse because I'm setting you up for something, obviously, like I always do. Um, so when somebody says to you, that the way you process information or the way you carry yourself or who you are as a person makes you a this. Like the way you talk, what you think makes you crazy. That, that label, crazy, right? What does it mean? Take the word and break it, break, it, break it down and think about the people that we call crazy. A person in a mental institution can be labeled, you know, Will, will be labeled or considered crazy, right? Because they're perceiving reality that's different from the, what the norm or from what the rest of the world or how the rest of the world perceives reality. They're seeing things that aren't there. We say they aren't there, right? The collective has sort of turned the backs on these individuals and said, well, I can't see it. We can't see it. So it's not there. And because you're seeing things so that isn't there. You're crazy. But it's funny because dogs and cats, you know, see things that aren't there, right? You, when you dream, see things that aren't there. People hallucinate, right? Voices, right? Auditory hallucinations. That's you hearing things that aren't there. Where's that fucking voice coming from? It's not your voice. I've already established that it's not your voice. I don't even have to be the one to establish it. I mean, there's a there is now a psychological term for it. It's called invasive thoughts. Yeah, but it's an auditory hallucination. So you're hearing things, quote, that aren't there. So then you deserve that same label too, right? But to dismiss whole groups of people in our society as you're just broken, there's something wrong with you, right? You're crazy. Not addressing, okay, 
we just because we think it's not there, what they're seeing is not there because we are incapable of seeing it doesn't make it so. Doesn't make it so. You see how we collectively gang up on each other? You're behaving in a way that's different from how the rest of us are behaving. You need to come down and fit into this box. And if you don't fit into this box, then you're ostracized. I'm not saying that there are people who you know are genuinely... The reason why they're capable of seeing certain things is because you know, their brains are damaged in a particular way, right? But that kind of works when you take drugs too. The reason why there's a book uh, by Oliver Sacks is called, I think it's called Hallucinations. And he more or less is basically says, if you damage the brain, right? The brain is like a, a window, right? And, and it, it, it controls your five senses. And those five senses forces you to perceive reality in a particular way, in a very fixed particular way. So when people take drugs that affect their perception of reality, that's because that drug is altering the function of their brain and allowing certain things to come through and to be perceived by their, fun- by their consciousness that prior to that, prior to that, their brain had kept their consciousness from perceiving. So it's not that these things aren't there. It's that your senses and in a healthy, normal functioning brain, right? The senses work as sort of gatekeepers or, you know, window shades that just re- like restrict your perception of, of reality to through these five slits. You, you can only see within a particular... Um, spectrum of color, right? You can only hear a particular, you know, sound, you know, waves of sound, right? And and that's, it's all status quo, right? Like, it's all like, we all, I just got my hair done. So I like playing with it. If you're like, why is she messing with her? Because I love my hair now. Um, But we all are perceiving, you know, in cookie cutter ways, anybody that then comes and says, okay, but I'm capable of seeing and hearing like extra things. Right, I'm capable of seeing beyond this dimension. Right, we go. There's something wrong with you. You are crazy, and then we shove them aside. Right, but there are cultures right now where a person, not a person who's like you know, obviously like they they clearly need help. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't attempt to miss the point on purpose, just so you can have something to say to criticize. Um, Listen, you get it? Um, listen and hear what I have to say. So there are cultures right now where people who perceive reality or they, they, they are capable of extrasensory perception, right? So you have the five senses. They are capable of extra senses, perceiving with extra senses, extrasensory perception. ESP. And those people have existed throughout time. Joan of Arc is the first person that kind of pops pops into my mind. She saw things, she heard things, right? That the rest people couldn't see. Those people in the past used to be sort of venerated, listened to, right? Who The people we would lock away and call crazy now, right? And understand that I'm speaking with the caveats of I do understand that there are people who are 
definitely mentally ill. So do not take what I'm saying out of context just because it makes you feel better or superior or it feeds your ego. Because when you do that, you're strengthening strengthening your ego and your ego is that voice in your head. The energy that you put forth to attack other people will be turned back against you with that same because you're strengthening you're strengthening the ego. The ego that you use to attack people is going to be the same ego that's going to be turned on you to attack you and make you feel bad about yourself. So take that for what it is. For the rest of you who are actually hearing what I have to say, you know, stay with me. Um, but those people, like those are the shamans, right? Those are the soothsayers, right? Those are, you know, the mediums and the psychics and things like that. So if I said, I, I, I don't engage with, you know, I think I went one time to see like a psychic and I didn't think she was even like, just for the experience, just to, just to see what it was about. And she was so wrong. It wasn't even funny. Like she was like, you're not intuitive. Like that was like one of the first things she said to me. She was like, you think you're intuitive, but you're not. And I'm like, I'm literally an INTJ. Like that is intuition is my superpower. I've never had somebody be so wrong about anything, <laughs> you know, like, like it was like, saying oh you're Chinese basically um it's like just so wrong like I was like okay this is a waste of my time um energy and money but there are people who legit do have extra extra sensory perception but if I if I'm if I were one of those people and I said to you I'm able to read a person I'm able to just as I interact with you within seconds know everything I need to know about you because Something in you and your aura and your energy allows me to read you, right? If you t- tell that to the average person, you're either going to be met with the label of you're crazy or disbelief or fear, right? Oh, you've got some demons or something. Like, I don't have any fucking demons. Like, I am capable. Of, you're, you're just as capable of these qualities as I am. It's just I've spent more time working on and harnessing and strengthening these abilities. There is a show that I mentioned before, and I'll mention again, it's called like, I think it's called either Superhuman or Supernormal, one of those. Um, Search one of those, but it's on Amazon Prime. Check it out because it's these kids doing things. It's these kids doing things that the rest of us should be able to do. Were we, you know, raised in a society or in a reality where those sort of qualities that are dormant in the human race were actually, you know, encouraged and, you know, nurtured and, and, you know, were we taught how to use them. And the reason why I love concepts like parallel universes, and I, they, they do exist. Like it is what it is. Google D wave quantum computing, like those are things like it's a technology that that essentially allows computers to communicate with other computers in parallel universes um other quantum computers in parallel universes so you just need to accept the fact at this point that there are parallel universes and alternate timelines but what what i love about thinking about parallel universes parallel universes and alternate timelines is that they allow me to perceive different types of reality different timelines that you know could have been possible and still can be possible for us if enough people, if enough of a collective of our consciousness, right, decides to shift our collective consciousness and our reality experiences to 
that experience, so that kind of experience, okay? So these are things that are fully probable, definitely not impossible. Um, it's just what level of probability? Well, it depends on how many people want to come together to actualize that reality. That's all that is, right? It's why unity is important and why there's so much, so much energy put forth towards dividing people, right? Because the people who are in charge and want to maintain the status quo they're united, but they don't want a united sort of collective consciousness shifting reality to an actualizing reality or shifting reality to an experience where they don't benefit. So by keeping us at each other's throats, right, divisive and, you know, left versus right, black versus white, you know, all of this, like liberal versus conservatives, all this bullshit, um, capitalist versus socialist, all this bullshit, they can keep, they can continue to steer our collective consciousness to a reality experience where that benefits them, right? So it, it behooves them for us to not discuss these things, for us to not know that, hey, you know, you are capable of healing yourself, right? Well, if, if we're all just kind of walking around healing ourselves, well, who does that, who does that hurt? Right? It benefits us, but who does that hurt? So you got to kind of start thinking in those terms and along those lines. You get what I mean? So back to curses. So when somebody says something to you and they label you with, uh, you are this. Oh, you are a megalomaniac. I'm a megalomaniac. If I take that and I internalize that, right? And I believe that, Right? Obviously, it's not true. But if I take it and I believe that and I go, okay, I don't want people to perceive me in that way. That's a curse. Because then I will start to change myself, right? You're a bitch, right? So a woman who is, you know, assertive and strong and dominant, you call her a bitch, right? It's got that's a curse, right? If she believes that and obviously doesn't want to be considered as such, she will start to whittle, cut herself down, whittle herself away to fit a more docile and more, you know, submissive type of female that benefits a male, that benefits the male species. So it's not species, but the, the you know, the masculine uh, energy, right? Because they're challenged, they feel challenged by that kind of energy. It's a very, in, in their minds, a very masculine energy and they want us they want women to exert a particular type of behavior which keeps them down it keeps them sublimated it keeps them suppressed so when a woman is showing hey i'm equal too i'm you know i can speak assertively i can speak intact you know intellectually they'll come in and they'll say you're wrong you're a bitch you're at this and that's a curse and it's not the power of the curse, right? These are why they're called curse words. But I think, you know, fuck, shit, damn, you know, all of that. Like, that's not, those aren't curse words, right? Bitch, that's a curse word. Narcissist, especially if you're not a narcissist, right? That's a curse word, right? Megalomaniac, that's a curse word. And it's usually said to people who are none of those things, but it's meant to get the person to change their behavior because essentially they are ex exhibiting a behavior that makes the person who has spoken out the curse feel uncomfortable. And if they can get you to accept that label, if they can get you to get to you know, 
put it on yourself and believe the curse, then you will adjust your behavior and bring yourself down to a level where they feel more comfortable around you or even they feel higher than you, either more comfortable or higher than you, right? Putting you in your place. You're a strong woman, you're a bitch. I don't feel comfortable with you being here. I feel like you're above me, so you need to come down here, you're a bitch. If she internalizes and, and, and takes it and accepts it, she will adjust her behavior, become more quiet, more subtle, whatever. And then it allows the person who called her that to hold on to the status quo, to maintain power. That is what that word, all these words are meant to, to do. There is a, speaking of nocebo, there is a story of a guy who was diagnosed with cancer and given by a doctor and it was given just a few months to live. And they said it was malignant, it was spreading really fast, so he only had a few months to live. And so he asked the doctor, because he believed in the power of the doctor, he trusted his doctor. So when the doctor said, you know, you are sick, right? He believed that he was sick. And then the doctor said, you are dying. He believed that, you know, he was dying. Not in the, and I, I should preface this by saying this is obviously not to take away from the practice of med- medicine. I just want you to be aware of that, you know, medicine works. I, I just mentioned Tylenol, right, earlier, right? If you have a headache and you need something that's going to get rid of that headache, it's no, it's no different than going to a witch doctor, you know, back in the day or, you know, an herbologist, you know, back in the day that says, okay, let's pull from nature and, and create medicine to heal your body, right? Marijuana is medicine. If that's, you know, in its natural form, I don't agree with what it's become now where the TH level, THC levels are so high that it's, you know, almost detrimental for the brain. It's too much, right? But the natural form balanced CBD, THC altogether and low levels of THC, that's a medicine, right? It's a medicine that has been put forth by nature. You know, vitamin C found in oranges. You know, it's no different that, you know, taking a vitamin C supplement or whatever, well, or vitamin D or whatever. They're pulling this from nature. They're pulling it from plants, you know, and synthesizing it and making it available, you know, for everybody who, you know, people don't, not everybody wants to sit there and learn herbology and, you know, naturopathic medicine and natural remedies. So I, I don't have a problem with the medicine in the way that we, that is practiced right now. But you do also have to understand there's, there's other things going on and also understand you know, misdiagnoses happen all, you know, every day and the importance of seeking a second opinion as well. These are human beings. They're not infallible. So not to take away from medical practice or anything like that. Much respect to the doctors, much respect to the nurses. My, my mom's a nurse, you know, so not to take away from that, but just to educate and keep you mindful, uh, remind you, not even to educate, just remind you of what's going on and then to keep you mindful. So the, the guy went to the doctor. The doctor said that he, that this guy had um, terminal cancer, only had a few months to live. So he asked the doctor, he said, you know, they said it's spreading fast. So he asked the doctor, can I just live? Will it be possible? Can I just make it, you know, to Christmas? I want to spend Christmas, you know, with my family. And then, you know, it is what it is. And so the doctor said, yeah, you will be able to make it through to Christmas. So he believed what the doctor said and you know, Christmas came and he was actually energized and he was, you know, happy and running around and all of that. 
And if you looked at him, he didn't look like a man who was dying from cancer. But then right after Christmas happened, everything, after Christmas came and went, everything dropped and he began to look sick again. And, you know, he went to the doctor and the doctor confirmed like, yeah, it's only a couple more weeks left. And the guy ended up dying. Well, long story short, they did an autopsy. If you see me moving around, sorry, I'm thirsty. Um, but long story short, they did an autopsy and come to find out the guy did not have a malignant tumor. He, he did not have cancer. So essentially what killed him was his own belief, right? He trusted the doctor. He believed that the doctor was right. And so his mind killed him. That's a curse, right? That was a nocebo effect, but using terminology from the past, basically defining and, and the same thing, describing the same thing, that was a curse. You know, he was cursed by his doctor. Obviously, the doctor did not, you know, do it intentionally, right? It was just his practice. Although I did have a story, like a Black Mirror-esque kind of story, but not dealing with, like, technology, but talking more about the things that I've been talking about. And, you know, Black Mirror had this episode of a doctor that was, like, intentionally, like, killing people, causing them pain, feeding off the energy, um, and I thought, man, like, imagine that, like, in a world where people, you know, aren't really cognizant of, like, placebo, you know, versus nocebo effect, like our world, and there's a doctor who wants to kill people, but, and he understands the power of suggestion and power of the mind, but he obviously doesn't want to go to jail, so he, the way he kills his patients is by suggestion, using the nocebo effect, Right giving them prescriptions and then telling them, oh, I accidentally gave you, like giving them like sugar pills. So it's not tied back to him. And then when they follow up for their appointment, telling them I accidentally gave you um, something that's, you know, poisonous and it's going to kill you. And then when they die and they test your blood, like it, he can't get pinned down for anything because like it was a sugar pill. Like how would you even fucking prosecute that? Right. So I was like playing with the idea of that story. Um, I'm writing that out. Um, Because, you know, I don't know, like, if you can imagine something like that, it probably has happened or is happening. Um, Sorry, I'm, like, talking. So, excuse me as I drink my water. It was a very uh, ASMR (laughs) moment. These are me gulping. So, yeah, be mindful of of the labels that people put on you. And more importantly, the curses that you accept on you, right? Because... A lot of the times, especially when people are even like, not even just labels, but criticism. So with the TikTok, not too much yet with, with uh, YouTube, uh, but with for sure with TikTok, especially when it's like, I have a video that's just like, they're just showing it to everybody and it's like going viral. People will come through and it's like, they're like missing the point on purpose. And so then they will attack, right? They'll attack. So they'll say something negative. Like you're wrong. It's like, no, I'm not wrong. I know what I'm talking about. And in the comments, I have actually referenced three or four books that if you took the time to read, you would also come to the same conclusions that I've come to. But it's not about that. They know that on some level. They know that on some level that I, they know what I'm talking about is accurate because I'm speaking with a certain level of confidence, right? I'm not the kind of person to just get on and talk just to talk. And that energy is out there, right, when I talk. But that's intimidating to them, right? They are threatened by that. And so it's not even about like 
they're seeking knowledge or they actually want the information or they, you know, they think that I'm wrong. It's that's a black woman or that's a woman or that's, you know, a person of color or that's just somebody that I'm just threatened by. Right. And I feel weird. I feel less than, and I feel like she's higher than, right? So I need to say something to bring them down, bring this person down to my level. That is what the criticism, that is, that is criticism. That's the energy of criticism. That's how that shit works, right? So when a person is coming at you, especially we all deal with this, like negative comments in social media, you know, you're just chilling, mind your own business, and then somebody just comes at you, and they just say some crazy shit that has nothing to do with anything, right? Like, you know, these same friends, like one of them, you know, is a very huge guy, and he works out. And people are like, he tells me, like, people comments, like, com- leave comments like, oh, you're taking steroids, you know, you have, like, a small, like, penis or whatever, like, he's like, I, I don't take steroids, right? But where is that energy coming from why are they coming at him like that well they look at him and it's usually somebody who either you know they're writing from an anonymous you know profile so they're afraid right so like if you really believe that in your heart say it from your main account (laughs) you know what i mean don't say it from your you know your your trolling account say it from your main account so that i can go and look at you and see who who the fuck you are where you feel compelled to come at me with that energy right? Like, who are you? What are you doing? How many, you know, videos are you putting out there? Like, how much content do you have? You know, how much work have you paid? Like, even with my art, like, I've only had a couple people say, like, something onto or something off to me about my art. Oh, like, there's this one painting that I painted where I intentionally made the neck long. Like, the model had a really graceful long neck, and I, like, exaggerated it. And somebody came on there and was like, yeah, it's a cool painting or whatever, but the neck is too long. Um, okay, first of all, you paint then. Where are your paintings? Can, can you draw even like a stick figure? If there's something about my work, not to say that I can't accept constructive criticism, um, but I didn't ask you <laughs> for your opinion. I put out my work. Yes, the comments are turned on right? You might as well just not say anything, right? I didn't ask you for your opinion. And and we live in a society right now that is just normalizing this like behavior that doesn't really help anybody. And it hurts the person that's engaging in this behavior as well. But I, I posted my painting and I'm sharing it with the world. And it's already hard enough as it is just, you know, fighting the ego, the voice of your ego in your head to just put your shit out there, not opening myself up for criticism. I don't give a shit what you have to say. If I wanted your opinion, right? If I wanted your opinion, I would put out a post soliciting, hey, tell me what you think about this piece. I feel some type of way about it. Tell me what you think about it, right? And there have been some posts where I've like, tell me what this painting says to you. And I've asked for your opinion, but I didn't ask for your goddamn opinion. Don't come on my shit, you know, saying stuff. Because you, if you were an artist and you notice a lot of artists don't criticize, very rarely criticize other artists' work unless, unless there's envy there, right? There's some, you'll find a lot of artists criticizing like commercially successful artists because they want to be commercially successful. They want to do well, right? But there is an artist who they feel like, you know, is selling 
metal balloons, right? Um, or not even creating the work themselves and they're, you know, everybody knows their name and they're well-renowned. And then th- you'll see an artist come forth and say, well, this person sucks. But usually the artist is criticizing this well-known artist. Nobody knows who they are. Don't, you're not familiar with their work or anything like that, right? And they might be technically really good and they might be technically a better artist than the person that they're criticizing. But the only reason why they're criticizing the other artist is because they feel some type of way. There's envy there. There's jealousy there. They're, they're looking at this person and saying, you're up there. I don't like that you're up there. I can't and have not been able to figure out a way to get myself up there. I don't even think I will be able to get myself up there. So in order for me to make myself feel better, because I right now feel like I'm failing at what I've dedicated my life to do in doing or or just failing in, in who I am as an individual, the only way I can bring myself to your level is by pulling you down. And that's what a criticism is. That is why people criticize. That is why people are haters, right? There is a, there is a, the ego comes in and it, 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 you know, the same ego that is telling you to go and write that comment is the same ego that tells you you're a piece of shit. You're not good enough. It's the same fucking voice. And so when a person is coming at you with that energy, they're talking about themselves as well. They're talking about themselves as well. They can only, people only communicate. It's, it's like you think you're, you're, you're listening to or you're talking, you're being talked to and the person actually sees you. They don't see you at all. When a person speaks, they don't see you. They're not capable of seeing you unless they're fully conscious. They can't see past their own reflection. So they can only point out in other people things that either they find wrong in themselves Things that they have heard from other people. See, the reason why the guy who called me, you know, he said that I was a narcissist and a a sociopath, which, fuck your labels. Um, But the the reason why he called me that, he forgot that I remember that when he went to a therapist because his partner told him to go to a therapist because he has the same energy that he likes about me. Because in, in, like in later on in previous conversations, him and I, we all talk about how him and I are so similar, you know? So there's things in me that he sees that he likes. And that's why we get along so well. Because people are only looking at their reflections when they see you. They're not seeing you. They're just seeing their own reflections in you. Little traits that they have in themselves. But somebody told him, somebody put the label of him being strong and he being, and I'm just going to call it for what it is. This is an African-American male. He went to a Caucasian therapist who basically said that, you know, your anger as a black male in America, and this was obviously years ago, um, where like a lot of this stuff that we're now starting to deal with as a culture, as a race, as a country, you know, wasn't really spoken about pre-2016. You get it? And he, he went to a white therapist who told him as a black male, you have a lot of anger. And the reason why he, you know, and, and he puts himself first, right? He looks out for his own needs. But there is, obviously, that's drawn up from just trying to fucking survive in this country as a black male. 
which is not addressed. So the white therapist, and I oftentimes obviously don't like speaking in terms of race, but this in, in particular is important because this it is what it is. But the white therapist called his behavior. He's not narcissist. He's a sweet guy. I, I've watched his behavior. He cares deeply about his partner. He cares about his friends. And even in when he was talking to me, you can tell that there was a grappling happening here because in one way he felt like he was trying to help, but in another way he's fighting his own ego. But the, the he had told me, they had both told me that the therapist told him that he was a narcissist and a megalomaniac. And I'm like, narcissist, you are not. And I, it's funny because I told him that because he had told me that. And I, I told him, one of the first conversations that I had with this guy was that he said, you know, I feel weird because I just went to a therapist, you know, my girlfriend's like urging and they're saying that I'm a narcissist and a megalomaniac and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm these things. I I don't feel like I'm that, like I feel like I care about people. And I was like, look, I, I grew up with a narcissist. I know what narcissists are and I watch people and I, I obviously intentionally try to avoid people who are that. You are not that. It is a label like crazy that has been slapped on you as an explanation for either your coping mechanisms or even your armor that you've put up to protect yourself in this world, right? By somebody who doesn't understand you and is intimidated by you. So if they put these labels on, they want you to behave in a way that allows them to dominate you or to at at the very least feel more comfortable around you because your strength in itself and your intelligence in itself is intimidating, is scary to them. So it's a way to curse you. It's a way to tame you, right? You're this wild energy, right? And you're capable of things that they don't believe that they're capable of. And so instead of pausing and reflecting and saying, you know, I need to work on this or just looking at you and saying, hey, you're this powerful entity. That's cool. Like, I want to be around that, you know what I mean? Or that's beautiful. You know, I want to be friends with you, right? I want to learn from you. How did you get so strong, right? They, they, they slap a label on you so that you can curse yourself. You can accept the curse and then make yourself small. I'm not saying this, you know, there's, there's anything wrong with somebody saying, hey, you know, when you do certain things, you hurt my feelings. But that's not what was going on. It was you as an, as an entity, your whole entire being makes me feel uncomfortable. That's fucked up. So change who you are. Make yourself small. Cut away your armor. Disarm yourself, right? So that I can feel better about myself. And that's just, that's what's going on. That, that's, that's how we communicate with curses, with curses, for the most part. For the most part. So to me, this kind of thinking helps, you know, understanding, you know, that that play between, you know, magic and, and technology or just accepting the fact that magic is still kind of real in, in our reality right now, even in the West. Even in the West, it's still, it's real in our society. But just understanding that it has evolved alongside us, right? It has evolved with us and it's taken a different shape, right? 
And instead of it being a curse, it's a label, right? And instead of it being, you know, like a a, a conjuring, I guess, it is we use technology. But it's still the same magic. It's just changed, you know. So I'm saying all of that. I said all that to say this. It's it's a double-edged sword, right? So on one edge, be mindful when people put labels on the labels that people put on you, right? Especially if they're hedging it around how your behavior makes them feel about themselves. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying don't be considerate of other people's feelings, but if you are intentionally, if you know in your heart you're a good, kind person and you intentionally go out of your way to be considerate for other, you know, of other people's feelings, but obviously not to the, to the point of self-sacrifice, like where it takes away from who you are and what you want and your own needs and desires, right? If a person is saying something like, you're too smart, Right? Or why do you talk like that? Right? Somebody on my live a couple of days ago popped in and was like, you sound like a white person, which is racist as fuck. I don't know what their race was, but it's so profoundly racist. It was like mind boggling. I was like, I don't sound like a white person. I sound like myself. What you're saying is essentially because I sound eloquent and educated, then I must sound white because the only race of people who are capable of speaking in an eloquent way are white people. So you're denigrating black people, which is one sentence. But that's also saying that I am uncomfortable with the level of you know, understanding and education and, and, and just the way you present yourself. That makes me feel uncomfortable. I need to say something to you to bring it down to my level so that you are communicating in a way that makes me feel better about myself. And what I have to say to that is, uh, fuck off. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I'll say this, that if you still, after everything, want to say that, what are the labels I've been called? Okay, so this week so far, narcissist, megalomaniac. I've had a couple people say, you know, you creep me out because you give up like robotic vibes. You seem very robotic. Why? Because I'm in control of my emotions. I wasn't always in control of my emotions. It has taken me 35 years to get to the point that I'm in right now and loads of books. 35 years and over 500 books and counting, right? And a lot of internal struggle and a lot of internal work right and a lot of meditation and a lot of mental taming discipline to get to where i am where i'm not reactive i can just say what i need to say and there isn't a lot going on in my delivery you might consider it as stiff i i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck right because I am not willing to give up everything that I've worked for and all the things that I've done and all the sacrifices that I've made and all the pain that I've endured to build myself to where I am now 
and where I hope to be just to make you feel more secure and better about yourself. I am kind. I am loving. I am caring. I I work every day to be an honest person and make sure that the majority of the things that come out of my mouth are truth. That takes work because it's so easy to lie and people lie all the time. I am mindful, you know, of the effect that I have on people. And, 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 And a lot of the things that I do, I do with the intent to make people feel comfortable. You know, but I'm not gonna dim my light just because you're afraid of it. I'm not gonna stop shining just because you're comfortable in the darkness. You can shine too. And that's a better statement. You know, the female of this couple, I'm obviously trying to avoid names because ultimately there's no hard feelings here. I'm using the experience as an anecdote to share a story. Yeah. But the female of the couple, she said, you know, I want to learn to be more like you. Like I'm asking these questions, right? Because they were saying like, where do you put your negativity? How come you don't have an edge? Because even when we're coming at you, that's another thing they said, even when we're coming at you, you're kind of just sidestepping it. You're not reacting. Yeah, I'm not fucking reacting because I've been working. If you took the time, I have a whole podcast and I can speak with confidence that they have not ever listened to. These are my friends. I mean, come on, you know how friends are. Like Whatever it is you're doing, your friends aren't going to really... Like you can't really count on your friends to like be supportive majority of the time. I try to be a supportive friend because I'm consciously trying to be a uh, supportive friend. But most people, it's like they're still like your friend is doing something. And to just support your friend, it's hard for people to do because you're doing something that they don't think that they're capable of doing. And instead of just enjoying you, you know, they're like trying to do their own thing and it becomes this weird kind of competition, whatever. Whatever, that's human nature. We've got to all work through it. We all have the ego. It's not, you know, it's not judgmental. It is what it is. But at least be mindful of it and work on it so you can be a better friend kind of thing. But what she said was, you know, and I don't know if she meant it or not, but what she said was, you know, you don't really react with a lot of negativity. Even now, he said the same thing, but even now as we're coming at you, you're just like, you're almost like a diplomat. You're just, you're always like saying the right perfect thing. You always have the right perfect thing to say. Like, and he goes, he interjects and he's like, why aren't you even getting angry? And then she says, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how you do it. To me, it's like 45 minutes in of the conversation of you guys coming at me. Why not just ask that? I don't mind sharing. I, I do that all every day or every week on my podcast. Right, and when I engage with my friends, I try to tell them what I know. Because I, 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 I'm not the crab trying to pull people down. I'm trying to pull people up with me. Right, like attracts like. I, I want to be around people who are on the same path as me. So if I can help in any way, I will. That's why I, I do the podcast. That's why I recommend the books. That's why I do the videos for the most part. You know. So if you're asking me what do I do with all this negative energy? Why, you know, why aren't I like angry? Why? <laughs> it's like, it's like the incredible Hulk, but the opposite, right? They asked the Hulk, how did he learn to control his duality, right? The beast versus the man. 
And he said, I'm just angry all the time. You know, so that was my response. I'm like the Hulk. You know, how do I control that negative energy? I'm just neutral all the time. I cannot afford extremes. I cannot afford those huge swings. There are people who can do that, right? They can like emotionally swing and get angry, just blow up and then swing back to the opposite end and have, you know, just like the best, most intense, like positive experiences, right? But for me personally, and I've, I've talked about this even on the podcast, like if I allow myself to get angry, it breaks down my body. That is energy, right? In order for you to send out energy, think of negative energy as fire. And right? think about if you could see energy. I wish we lived in a reality where we could see energy so that you can see what anger looks like, right? When a person is seething with anger, you could see like from your chest, there is fucking like a fire burning through your chest. But if I, if I allow somebody to force my body to generate you know, negative energy to generate heat and fire in me. And then I push it out to harm the the person who has triggered that in me. Um, In order for me to hurt them with that negative energy, with that anger, right? That energy has a pass. It has to burn through my body first. That negative energy, that anger has to burn me first burn through my chest in order to hurt you. And I'm sorry, like I said, people see the world through through their own through their own reflections. They see the reflections. They see their reflections in other people. I am not I am not prepared. I am no longer able to or prepared to. It's not worth it to burn myself in order to hurt you. So what do I do with that negative energy? I don't suppress it because then they were saying, well, are you suppressing it? Because that's not healthy either. You know, you push that shit out, it's going to pop up. I'm not pushing it down, right? I just stay neutral. And then I take that energy and I fucking transmogrify it. This is alchemy. This is why I love the book, The Kabbalion. Go read it. The Kabbalion by the Three Initiates. Go read it. That's what I do alchemy i for the most part 99 percent of the time when that negative energy is burning through me before i allow it to come out of me i mitigate it and i convert it to art i create i podcast i write i draw i sculpt i record videos i take that energy and i put it into something creative because it's it it's it's energy, right? Just like cold and heat, right? On the spectrum is temperature, right? Destructive energy, right? If I say something to you in anger, that is destructive energy. Destructive energy and creative energy, it's all energy. It's just on different sides of the spectrum. So I could take that energy and I can use it to harm other people, but I'm burning myself in the process. Or I can take that energy and I can instead of destroying, I can create. So that's what I do with that energy. That's what I do with that. What, you know, I guess their way of expressing negative energy is he takes it out and he, you know, they fight like he boxes or he works out 
or whatever. But even working out, right? You're burning energy because you're creating, you're putting that energy towards creating a body, a form that you find beautiful, right? It's just you're putting that energy into your physical form. I'm putting that energy into art, into my paintings, into my writings, into my sculptures. It's the same thing. You could do the same thing too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.